shit. I'm sorry. I was in a meeting. The following episode of the Walking Dead podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Audible.com is the premier source of spoken audio information and entertainment on the internet. Choose from their extensive catalog of over 215,000 audio programs from leading audiobook publishers, comedy specials, magazine and newspaper publishers, business information providers, as well as many other products. Audible is also the preeminent provider of spoken word audio podcasts for Apple's iTunes Store. In addition to audio programs from outside publishers, Audible.com introduces Audible Studios, matching the most imaginative and esteemed authors with the world's best performers, including Academy Award winners, respected stage actors, and Juilliard graduates. Audible Studios produces a diverse catalog of engaging audio ventures for every age. Sign up today for your free, no-obligation trial membership at audibletrial.com forward slash dead. You'll get a free audiobook, and you'll be helping to support The Walking Dead podcast. So head on over to audibletrial.com forward slash dead and start a new adventure today. And now, we're pleased to present the latest episode of The Walking Dead Podcast. We always think there's going to be more time. It's the Walking Dead Podcast. Got any advice for me? Yeah, I'd say make a run for it. This is the Walking Dead Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Walking Dead television show on AMC and the Walking Dead comic from Image Comics. Come on, come on! Back up! So sit back, relax, and join the herd. Scott in here with me, as always, is the tremendously awesome and fantastic Mr. Gary. Hey, I'm here. Um, remind me where here is again. Um, I'm not sure how to answer that. Oh, all right. Um, I'm here. You're here. Yeah, I just I, I I was trapped here for a long time for the phone line. Um, well, that's right. That's right. Yeah, but now we don't do that anymore. Um. So, I mean, you throw me a couple of, you threw me a box of Girl Scout cookies like a week ago. That was pretty nice. Um, but, you know, I'm just kind of. I, yeah, I threw here. I threw it in your direction, but it hit my wall because it's <laughs> on the screen. It was Elvis <laughs> and shoot the TV with cookies. Right. <laughs> That's pretty funny. But yeah. Yeah, I'm here and uh, we're here to talk some uh, Walking Dead. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a habit of ours. We, we, yeah. When we're talking, we, we all of a sudden. It delve into or de- de- deteriorate into to, uh, uh, zombie talk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. And then Gary it's become a regular go, thing. Gary will nod and go, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Sounds like, what, what was it? Beavis or Butthead then went, uh, uh. <laughs> Yeah. Something like that. The other one. Uh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know that was, uh, that was, <laughs> yeah, that was one of them. <laughs> yep. All right. Those well, guys. Yeah. Back in time there. Turn back the hands of time, bringing it back. <laughs> Beavis and Butthead. No, not really. <laughs> I never watched that. All right. Well, this is episode 241 of the podcast, Gary. 241. Wow. Yeah. Only five more and we get a set of steak knives. <laughs> Maybe. Well, that'll come to use. Yeah. All right. Uh, um, anyway, today we'll be discussing season 11, episode five, Out of the Ashes. But first, our sanctified boilerplate section with uh, Reverend Gary. Oh, hey, one second. Um, I was using the boilerplate to make myself some uh, Easy Mac because, you That's know, yeah. I, was, I was hungry. <laughs> uh, sorry about that. Anyways, um, you can still a find... A studio apartment, don't you? <laughs> a studio apartment where I have a defunct phone line uh, and I have nothing but Walking Dead to watch. And a boilerplate to make your macaroni. <laughs> yeah, that's all I've got. That looks like brains. <laughs> brains. As always, you can find our wonderful Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash walking dead podcast somewhere out there on Facebook. Um, we're, we're not all, as active there as we used to be, but we still all, post our episodes. Where all human <laughs> dignity goes to die. Yeah. <laughs> Hence why we're not on there much these days. But uh, we still do have our Facebook page where we post our episodes and we have some uh, nice, lovely discourse with our friends from time to time. But uh, if you want to see where our episodes or occasional news and things like that, or even just people to talk to you that like the same thing, go to facebook.com forward slash walking dead podcast. And also we want to thank our sponsor audible for making this episode possible. Audibletrial.com slash dead. That's audibletrial.com slash D E A D gets you an absolutely free audiobook. Um, and not even just an audiobook. I think they have to call it audio programming now because they have so many different things. Um, they have newspapers, magazines, business programming, uh, probably textbooks, pretty much anything you can think of. They have an audiobook for it. Um, and even just some comedy specials and things like that. And, uh, you know, live, uh, recordings. So pretty neat stuff over there. I know they used to say over a hundred thousand, I believe they had to correct us and send in an email that number went up. Um, so I'm sure they're way up beyond that by now because they're partnered with Amazon, but anyways, audibletrial.com slash D E A D get you a free audiobook and, uh, let them know walking dead sent you walking dead podcast. I mean, sent you, yeah, that, that, <laughs> you could even have the, 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 right. Um, speaking of Walking Dead podcast and the Walking Dead show, Walking Dead New Man's Land, the mobile game, they keep adding new stuff and we really love it. Uh, it's pretty cool. You get to collect your favorite characters, arm them with whatever you want, dress them up in whatever favorite skin you want for some of them. And on top of the characters from the show, you can also build your own character from the ground up. And it's really kind of fun. Um, each week they have missions based on the episodes. They have uh, guilds and basically team uh, challenges and team guild wars. You can play against other guilds. Our guild is known as, <laughs> geez, I'm stuttering a little bit. Our guild is known as Death Squad Z, which you can check out on the game Walking Dead No Man's Land on mobile anywhere. And you can join me and Scott and our group of friends and have a blast. Yes, that's right. A blast from the rocket launcher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that too. They're pretty fun. Or Rufus's, uh, what was that, that exploding pickle jar? Yeah. The game's quite explosive. Yeah. 
Well, thank you, Gary. Appreciate it. As always. No problem. You do that with the eloquence of a very practiced barrister. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, I'm definitely very practiced. I don't know so much about the barrister part, but well, you, you got good practice. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but Yorana, please. <clears throat> <laughs> All right. Well, we've now finished that fun. So now into the main event, our recap discussion of season 11, episode five, Out of the Ashes. to take the start here this time scott because i wanted to talk about the very intro scene um the dream sequence with aaron fighting off all their former enemies um i just thought for something fairly simple just basically aaron gracie and a few extras in a forest it was really well done and the first from the first moment that reveal of a wolf out of nowhere right. and you don't you're still at that point, you're not 100% sure. Is this a dream or like, is this real? Like, are the wolves still around? Because we haven't seen one in a while, but maybe they're still, you know? So seeing a wolf pop up and then you hear the whistle of the saviors. You see the guy with the gun pop up. And then right, you see yeah. a, a whisper pop up out of nowhere. Um, and you just keep seeing then walkers and then like all of their enemies just swarm him. Then he knows his daughter's gone. And then he gets swarmed and basically killed. It was the end of his dream. Um, but I mean, that in itself, I guess, fairly kind of um, not typical. That's not the word I'm thinking of, but um, not completely original. But I love the way it was shot. It, to me, it was just very effectively done um, and very cool looking. Well, I, 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 I figured it was a dream sequence as soon as the wolf showed up. But of course, do you remember how that silly conspiracy theory that the the W was actually an M and it was Morgan. Yeah. I don't even know how yeah. anybody put two and 28 together to come Me up neither. with three. <laughs> no idea. Yeah. But I, I thought it was interesting and I, I figured it, it, it was going to have some role in uh, uh, the way Aaron acted throughout the course of the episode. It was, especially when, you know, I, I actually thought when the, the, when the, the savior whistle was going, that it was going to be Jeffrey Dean Morgan that he would see. <laughs> Rather than just some nondescript guy in a leather jacket. Yeah, that would have made sense too. But yeah, and then um, and then the then there was the uh, the uh, whispers, the two whispers in the group, and then of course he gets shish kebabbed <laughs> in the dream, and then wakes up. I thought it was a, I thought it was interesting, and yeah, as you said, this kind of thing's been seen before. That kind of that kind of nightmare dream that seemed real at first, and then and then you know he. He notices his daughter's gone. Is his daughter the little, was the little baby that they found with Morales, I think, right? Yeah, that was the little girl that was from that savior camp where they killed them. Right, right. Yeah. Okay, Back yeah. No, he still I, had Eric. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I, uh, I, it was a interesting, an interesting insight into Aaron's thinking. And obviously this was an Aaron-driven uh, character. That's, those segments were Aaron-driven. And, right. Um, uh, what's the showrunner's name? Angela Kang. Angela Kang. Angela yeah. Kang, as much as said so, in the behind the 
behind the episode segment uh, that we watch. So that- you know, I was I was mostly just impressed by the way it was shot and the way it looked, even though it was kind of like I said, you know, not really original. We've seen it even just on this show before. But um, your point was actually really good as well. That like it really goes more just to show his mindset and kind mm-hmm. of like why he's had such untypical behavior for Aaron lately. You know, he's been really irritable and uh, impulsive and angry. Um, Yeah. Just kind of different. You know, Aaron's usually more reserved and peaceful and trying to keep the peace, you know, and trying to bring people in and make things better. But now he just seems so, you know, angry off hinged. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Angry for sure. Um, I I was struck later on when he's at the hilltop that as soon as he saw the the walkers being herded immediately like whispers and like pulls a knife on and like goes at him yeah he wouldn't have been one to do that in the past he would have been much more cautious but in this one he's sort of the the anger impulsively driven you know out to to destroy the whispers which of course i have no problem with that you know at all (laughs) (laughs) so yeah uh, yeah no i um it was an interesting uh, it was an interesting segment, but I, they do this. Let's get a party together and go off over here as a part of the plot device, you know, in what in damn near every episode this season. Yeah. First one, we got to go over here to get to the food. Then we got to go over here to find these other people. We got to go over here back to Hilltop. And next we're going to come back. Well, we got to go over here. I'm surprised they didn't go try to go to the kingdom because I don't recall that the kingdom was burned down. Maybe Me was, neither. I don't know. I don't remember why they left. I think they left because they ran out of stuff. But they still got yeah. functional walls. So, I don't know. Anyway. That's right. I remember the, the scene of uh, them all leaving with uh, King Ezekiel leading them and looking sad that he eventually had to give in and leave the community. Yeah, um, I think they didn't. I remember have, that vaguely. I think now. they didn't have any more uh, supplies or food or stuff, and that's why they left to go to the hilltop, also because of uh, the saviors. But I don't recall. Right. Although I don't know because they were there. They were there after the whispers, so mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe the I really don't remember. <sighs> it was so terrible. I put it on my mind. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I'm surprised they didn't do that and said they went to the hilltop when there's probably more salvageable stuff at the at the uh, kingdom because the, it didn't burn. So yeah, w- w- whatever they did it. <laughs> yeah, um, they did. And it, the thing with with thing with this is, you know, I understood uh, Aaron's motivation. You know, I mentioned they burned down our house. Then even after they wreck this place, they send people back to make sure there was nothing left. That was yeah. usable. But you know, I I was struck by the fact that Jerry looked like he was all for the let's let's torture this guy and get information from him when you know after they grabbed it after they grabbed the whisper and then took him down in the to put him in jail and then found out there was a bunch of other whispers down there. Yeah. And then Jerry finds the the um shawl or something that his wife was wearing and then he looked like it was like all for kicking it kicking the guy's ass and in fact he was the one holding the rope yeah that was guy hanging from but you know jerry can't have it both ways you can't be susceptible that that kind of revenge fervor and then be like you know hey bro hey dude 
good thing you didn't kill him. Be like sort of nonchalant about it. I just, you, Jerry, you can't have it both ways. I get what you're saying, but I mean, like he was obviously shaken when they had to kill the zombies that were their former people. Um, and you could tell up until it was literally really until that point where he found his wife's clothing that really, and, and also the combination of realizing that that guy was lying and there was more of them down there and they had his wife's stuff that, that set him over the edge. And then he was fully on board for everything Aaron was doing. Um, yeah. And I but, imagine that having to put down people that they knew probably turned his mood rather dark fast. True. And that's, what directly led into that, you know? So like he had a lot going on in there already. And then he saw that, you know, and that just triggered him. Um, but I get what you're saying too. Like he is always the cool laid back dude, but then he just wants to flip and be, you know, crazy Shane. I kind, kind of, of a feel, little weird. I kind of feel like he, um, the way he was acting was something Aaron saw as giving him permission to do what he does because Aaron's not really the guy that normally tortures people and lets a zombie bite you in the hand. True. Uh, he's normally the guy that wants to hold people back. You know, but but it's it almost seems like when Jerry was like dark found his wife's clothes and then that kind of gave Aaron per- silent permission to to torture the guy. And of course yeah. the the whole thing Carol is right, but you know that kind of thing done overdone that. Yeah. And I, I don't know how else you could do it. I do agree with Angela Kang that it makes more sense for her to be the one to stop Aaron from going further with it. And then saying, well, this is because I went further with revenge and it doesn't lead any good. We've heard that. We've heard that moral lesson over and over and over again, including in Grand Theft Auto 4, Gary. Oh yeah. I do appreciate, though, that um, in a way it also shows Carol's progression this season, that she's finally acknowledging that she went too far and trying to make good now, you know, um, and center herself rather than just going nuts. Like she realized she went too far and what Henry happened to Henry caused it, you know, and she's wrapping her head around that now and trying to move forward. And I think that's a good sign that we're hopefully moving away from Crazy Carol. Henry. Number two yeah. in the fuck stick category. Anyway, <laughs> no, I, I think that uh, I think Carol's trends uh, turning point was that while she was pursuing this path of revenge, she got Negan to help her and all that. She she felt she was doing what she she had to do to get back at this person. But when it started, when her obsession got people trapped in a cave. And then when her obsession endangered her friendship and her relationship with Daryl, I think that's really what's kind of made her take a step back and go, okay, this is not really where I wanted to go with this. Uh, I yeah. To do this, but I, I don't think I can live with the cost of losing Daryl and losing. Yeah. But they haven't really, friend. um, they hadn't really shown her like verbalizing that though. You know what no, I mean? Like, but they haven't really shown her saying like, man, I went too far or like anything like that, you right. know? Yeah, so I'm no, glad I, she's, I agree. I agree. That was know. her verbalizing it in that up ep- in the episode here. But I think, um, I think you can see what really has knocked her back is Daryl's disapproval of the way she is acting. I mean, she, she can take a lot of things, but she can't take Daryl's loss of Daryl's respect. Yeah, I agree. So, which is an interesting progression also from, 
you know, from what she originally was, where she was the, you know, the shell shocked, uh, abused wife, and True. then uh, not, not being able to stand up to her, her husband, who was a total douche. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, I mean, that's probably one of the best scenes in the first season when he's uh, roughing her up, and then Shane intervenes and beats the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah. So that was great. Yeah. So that, really, and yeah. then you know she just progressed, but I think she's, I think it was Daryl, her afraid Daryl was gonna, and then Daryl telling her, you know, you you really, I'm really disappointed in you. Yeah. And she was like, yeah. Oh, oh. So, well, I thought I thought that that segment was interesting, and I don't know if it provides closure with the whispers or not. But it does certainly uh, approach the idea that there is a consequence to everything, and and there's an aftermath we often don't see. Um, mm. They didn't really do anything with the aftermath of the saviors much. Um, in the first few episodes, they showed them like as an occupied country almost, and that there was a debate on whether to just kill them all or try to integrate them into their community. So. That's more than they did with, say, some of the survivors of Woodbury to the extent that there were any. I don't know how many there were. <laughs> True. But, uh, um, yeah. It reminds me, like, what you're saying um, of more, like, stuff they would do in the comics. Right. When, like, when they encountered a big group and had, you know, a battle or whatever, later on you'd see them encountering the little uh, subsects of the group that still survived. Um but you don't really see that much in the show. You're right. They did a little bit with the saviors. Like you said, they touched on sometimes there would be infights with the still remaining saviors that have joined the group, you know, and um, little things like that that they would touch on, but not really in that way. So that was pretty cool. Well, they mentioned, I remember they mentioned in the, I think it's volume 22, which is the volume right after the end of the war with the saviors that Dwight, that Dwight, not, not the one that we, we know that's on fear of the walking dead, but the Dwight in that, universe mm -hmm. yeah is uh became the leader of the saviors and the saviors weren't occupied they were independent and they they traded and existed peacefully with the other communities mm -hmm. hilltop and the kingdom and and uh, alexandria so mm. i was thinking that might happen but no no Dwight had to go to texas <laughs> yeah they had other plans so i haven't seen any of the episodes with him in there just uh the one where Morgan joins the cast. Yeah. Which really made that show in many ways better than the, the main show at the time. So it really did. <laughs> obviously there were primarily a four segments, I guess, kind of three and a half to the show. There was the one with the journey to the hilltop. There was the Maggie and Negan stuff. There was the main Commonwealth stuff that being with um, uh, Eugene princess and Ezekiel. And then there was the minor stuff at the commonwealth between yumiko and her brother i guess his name is tommy yeah so uh the Ma maggie and negan stuff really i think i don't know what else they can do with that i don't know what the end goal is there because clearly she's not going to forgive him i mean she he bludgeoned her husband to death in front of her yeah it's kind of hard so. to get over <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a little hard to get past that, true. So, um, and and clearly, Negan has changed to a certain degree, but you got to, I don't think he's meant to ever be the good guy. Hmm. Just a guy that's kind of 
existing in this limbo where he's still really on the he's still really more focused on staying alive and other people who are aligned with that um yeah like he's in the group and he wants to help and do the right thing but he's also still very selfish yeah but so, that's and the helping is in his self-interest it's not because he's nice. true and that's one thing they did a good job of capturing from the, now that i thought about it longer the uh the here's negan graphic novel is that it was very clear that the people that he was getting involved with along the way, uh, it was just because their interest happened to align at that moment that eventually when they didn't, he would abandon them or let them. I don't know that I fully agree with that. I think he really wants to redeem himself with the main group. Oh yeah. No, I mean, I mean, as far as the graphic novel, they took that part. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, as far as anything else that, that would be TV, but no, I don't disagree with you at all. I think, yeah, he's trying to redeem himself to a certain extent. But I do get what you're saying, too. And he even showed it this episode that push comes to shove, even though he wants to do the right thing and help and, you know, get getting this group's respect and all that. If push comes to shove, if he knows he's not going to make it, he's going to run. He's like he's out for him, yeah. you know, more than anything else. And I like they had a little bit of a, a very minor pushing match there. Yeah, I, I was wondering I was wondering what was going to happen. And I thought I thought there was an off chance, although it's seems completely absurd and implausible and the fans probably would react but i thought for a minute they were gonna like start making out because usually in movies <laughs> two two characters that don't like each other that exist in that sort of tense emotional um stressful thing when they have a moment like that they oftentimes they get busy <laughs> and then afterwards, i did not like, expect that and then they're like I hate you. <laughs> and I've seen too many movies like that where they hate each other. And then all of a sudden the next day they get in a fight and then the next thing they're in bed. You know, I thought, I, I, I don't know. I could see them eventually having some sort of working relationship that isn't completely terrible, but I did not no, no, expect no, no, anything no, like that. No, I, I, I no. agree with you. I've watched so many <laughs> cheesy movies in the 80s. That's funny. That funny thought though. It is hilarious and hysterical and absurd. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I can't imagine that either one of those two actors would be like, no, no, they'd never do that. Yeah. No, I can't, I can't see that. I remember the, you know who Jason Isaacs is, right? Yeah. Jason Isaacs, in addition to all the other things, people have seen him in the Patriots, Star Trek Discovery, um, Black Hawk Down, and a whole range of other things. He had a um, very small guest star role on the West Wing where he became, where he was romantically involved with one of the female characters for whom she existed in this long-term story arc where she ultimately, and I'm not spoiling anything, the show's been off the air for 15 years, but um, she ends up in a long-term, after, at the end of the series, she ends up in a romantic relationship with the guy that she worked for, who was played by Bradley Whitford. And hmm. she... Um, and the whole gist is over the course of the arc of the series is that, you know, at some point at the end, they're going to end up together. But <laughs> Jason Isaacs in a subsequent interview um, many years later mentioned that when he saw when he was reading the script where his character kisses the character's name was Donna. His first instinct was going, no, 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 no. She's not supposed to end up with me. She's supposed to end up with with Bradley Whitford. <laughs> so I'm the, you know, I I can't imagine that that Jeffrey Dean Morgan would be like, no, that's not, no, that that would never happen. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> Only on Batman. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
I think oh, that that's what makes for me the, the the interaction between the two kind of funny because they played Batman's parents in that brief cameo appearance in Batman versus Superman. That is true. So anyway, um, I but it, to make a long story short, I'm really getting kind of over the whole. Maggie hates Negan, but she needs him, and Negan grudgingly respects Maggie and. He's trying to to get her to accept him, but you know, at the end of the day, he's still Negan. Yeah. Um, it's okay. Play it out soon. <laughs> Do something with it soon because it's been the same thing for three. It's been the same thing for five weeks now. I really like their dynamic, but I I agree it is getting stale. Like even the one scene I really did like. Um, <laughs> When Negan was just saying, um, I don't understand then if you feel that way, why you haven't put me down yet. And, and she, she throws that knife at him. And he, just goes, he goes, shit. <laughs> and then it kills, kills the zombie. And then she says, yeah, I ask myself that every day. Yeah. No, and then I mean, just all defeated. He's like, shit. That's good. But it, the problem is it becomes typical TV. You know, that True. In, in a real scenario, she might not kill him at this point. Mm-hmm. But it's very likely because she would have killed him five years ago when she went into his jail cell with the bat. Yeah. She would have killed him then, whether he was <laughs> crying about it or not. But, you know. I, yeah. I, I feel like also, like, even the what I just quoted where Maggie said, yeah, I find myself thinking that every day when he says, why don't you just kill me? She said that at least three times already in just these last five episodes. I know. Um like they're literally repeating almost like, the same dialogue. They're literally just having the same conversation over again. Um, so you're you're right. I do like it. I think it plays for a fun dynamic, um, and I do find it interesting that they would pair just the two of them alone together to really get to see how temperamental that situation is. But yeah, they really just got to do something with it <laughs> soon. She reminds me of Samuel L. Jackson in Pulp Fiction. I'm trying to be the shepherd. <laughs> yeah, trying to be yeah. the shepherd. Yep. All right. Well, then there's the the stuff with uh, we talked about to the hilltop. Uh, I'm glad that you brought up the dream sequence because I forgot about that. And maybe I was asleep. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then there's the Commonwealth. Uh, oh, point one. You know, it's a it's an interesting place. Uh, but obviously, there's some kind of an authoritarian bent and Orwellian feel to the place with soldiers all over the place. Yeah, so straight down to the posters. '80s intro video. Yeah, no that that was that was cool. Um, it was yeah, pretty funny. Security, and then he's. <laughs> um, but no, it did remind me of the the propaganda posters uh, of mm-hmm. of America during the World Wars, particularly like the um, if he sees. Or if you see something, say something, loose lips sink ships or um, yeah, buy war bonds or Uncle Sam needs you or something like that mm-hmm. you know, in, in both World War. So I, I that's what it kind of reminds and, and to be fair, they are kind of on a war footing. True. So I'm just wondering if the Commonwealth people are going to find out if they've ever been up against other human communities. Maybe they haven't because they've got a pretty sizable and well-trained and well-armed and well-equipped force. So True. hard to say. I, I am, I am wondering, you know, and it, like I said, this type of thing, as I've said, nothing we've seen this, I've seen this dynamic in other things too, even here on the show. I was going to say, yeah, even the show. Woodbury, 
Yep. Woodbury was the same way. The seemingly identical place or even Alexandria wasn't didn't have like dark forces behind it. But it was like the whole thing where uh, um, Yumiko goes into the bakery shop. Uh, there's yeah. the, the ice cream cart. Uh, and and there's people walking around in the plaza and all that. And, you know, that that was kind of like the beginning scenes in Alexandria where they're having that dinner party. Yeah. And Sasha freaks True. out like, what is wrong with you? You are like like you're in another world here. And of course, in the comic, that's that's Michonne that has the little freak out because you know, Sasha. But the yeah. same same thing where she's like, you're going to make me a, a cake. What? <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I thought that was I thought we've seen that before, but it's always interesting. You know, I, I and then, of course, another thing we've seen before is the people who get in there immediately get themselves in trouble because they like start snooping around in most cases yeah. like this is too good to be true what's going on here it's sort of like what happened in alexandria with uh our our people but in this case it was he wanted to use the radio and he got caught because mercer was watching him and that that whole interaction between him and princess was i was just cringing you have beautiful yeah. eyelashes what it what I thought it was funny as a way for her to distract him that she goes right to like trying to flirt with them and stuff. I thought it was kind of funny, but I I pictured you groaning, like just watching it. And he sort of looked like, okay, thanks. I think at first he seemed like he was kind of not necessarily interested, but like he was appreciating it at first when she was like thanking him for the $2 bill and like starting saying some nice things. But then the eyelash thing, he was just like, I was like, oh god, this is like fan service right here because they mentioned on the Talking Dead a couple weeks ago that those two are in a relationship in the book. Oh, really? Yeah, Mercer and Princess. And I don't know. That's when I found out. Oh, Princess is a character in the book too. Dang. (laughs) Why? (laughs) They couldn't make Daryl a comic book character, but they made Princess. Please. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, actually, I think she, I, I she's kind of grown on me. I think she's, uh, I think Paula, Paula Lazaro does a good job making that character kind of endearing, but you know, she's capable. And I mean, they haven't funny, they haven't really given them much together yet, but they have yeah. given them a few moments leading to a potential connection. And he actually did seem to warm up to her a little bit. So yeah, we'll see. It's interesting the way they're playing that. Yeah, I love I my favorite scene or close to it was when um uh Eugene gives her the ice cream cone and she's like, Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was great. And that made me think of that that little clip I sent you of Stephen Amell eating oh, yeah. ice cream in his car. <laughs> Mondays, am I right? This is what he's reduced. is that what you said? Because I couldn't tell yeah. the ice cream in his mouth. Yeah. I love it's just a little I, caption. Yeah, the the <laughs> Uh, the one of the uh, two people comment they had two comments on her. One was uh, uh, Elizabeth Tulock or Bitsy Tulock. I don't know if you know mm-hmm. who that is. Yeah, Lois. Yeah, she plays Lois Lane, and then she was on Grimm for the whole run of the show. Right. But, um, one of the other comments was from uh, Ronnie Amell, a uh, Robbie Amell. Ron, Ron, oh, his cousin. Char- yeah, Ronnie's his character from uh, Flat. Robbie Amell. <laughs> he was, dude. That looks good. <laughs> <laughs> ice cream so i'm having fun again looking at instagram and now that you know who is not there yeah good i'm glad yeah so i find a lot of funny stuff which i send you sometimes yes i appreciate uh, it yes 
gives me a good laugh. As soon as though, like you said, once you see the, the ice cream and the cakes and like even, you know, in the kingdom, even to an extent, like you said, Alexandria, especially with uh, Woodbury, because it was more of a villain fa- or villainary kind of dark looking faction like we're seeing now. Um, it looks almost too ideal where I'm like, this is bad. <laughs> I can just tell right away, like something is amiss here. Um, and we see bits of that later on in the episode. Um but yeah, just from the beginning, I'm just like, literally my notes, what I write here. Yeah. The Commonwealth seems too good to be true. Oh, of course. Our, we're, yeah, as soon as like, absolutely. we see the 80s video and then we see like a little bit inside when they have like all this modern stuff, it's like, and yeah. so many things. And like, yeah, uh, even that conversation with Tommy, with Yumiko, um, where she starts asking him about why wouldn't you want to be a surgeon again? And instantly he tries to shut that down and he looks scared. Like, are you trying to yeah. get me in trouble? Don't you know, like, like I'm happy here. Don't ruin this for me. Yeah. Don't ruin um, this for me, yeah. So like, what's going on? Um, why would he be so afraid to talk about his past as a surgeon? Um, and how could get that get him in trouble with the community? Like what? Um, there's something there that's dark. Oh, yeah, and then, yeah. Um, yeah. Huh? Go ahead. Um, and then the, the only other thing too, I don't, I don't think you have it in your notes here. I don't see it. Um, with the, uh, the guy in the end, I forget who he was, the guy that was in the video. Um, the guy that comes in saying to let the group go right the after they of, got caught. The chief of operations. Oh, that was his title. Yeah, but once we see him and then uh he walks out after he says let them go, and Stephanie says, basically, you're not getting out of this without giving him something. <laughs> like, yeah, he'll let you go, but you're gonna owe him. Um, so that it's just another hint that something dark is going on here, aside from just kind of seeming a little too authoritarian like you said um it'd be interesting to see where they go with that because i haven't yeah, really that, read the comics so i don't know yeah anything. that that character's name is lance hornsby the oh, okay the deputy governor and director of operations of the commonwealth ah cool good to know so yeah that's that's why he's an important important person no i thought that was a good scene where he comes in and that that uh bureaucrat is like i can't release them they're awaiting trial <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I, I that's an interest that is almost more interesting to me than than the other stuff is that they've they've done all this and and they exist in this really rigidly bureaucratized society with all of these bureaucratic rules and regulations and and when even when Mercer was reading reading the document that that authorized them to come in he says according to subsection four of the, of the uh, new constitution. You hereby mm-hmm. authorized under further uh, of a uh, uh, subsection article five of uh, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. yeah, and then then the two people that were interrogating them were like driver's license office people. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I thought it was interesting, and it's not something that you would know unless you're into that. But he mentions Mercer mentioned in that thing when he was coming back at uh, Ezekiel's charge that he was just some kind of beat cop. And he goes, I want the West point asshole. Yeah. yeah even the dog doesn't agree. Even the dog caught it. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. He says, uh, I want the West point asshole. But then when he was on the talking dead, the, the actor, he was like um, that Mercer was a former Marine. Hmm. Which, if you know anything about how that structure works, yes, it's possible to go in the Marines if you go to West Point, but the West Point West Point is the Army's military academy. That's what I thought. 
Yeah, it just as the Annapolis is the one that you go to to be a naval officer or marine officer, and then the one in Colorado Springs is for the Air Force. So it's not uh, it's not doesn't happen very often, but the one of the things that m- most people aren't aware of is that you can go into any of the services regardless of the academy you go to. There's just a special process by which you request it. It's generally not the way it works because people who go to the Air Force Academy want to go in the Air Force. Generally, hmm. it's like you wanted to be in the Marines, right? But you, your father and grandfather were graduates of West Point, so you're a legacy. And so you go to West Point for that, but you request to go in the Marine Corps after. I, oh, okay. met, I did meet one Marine officer who had gone to West Point, and that's because his father or grandfather went to West Point, so he did as well, And but then he went into the the Marine Corps after that. So minor point, nobody's going to care about that. And I am, that may have been a mistake on the part of the actor. That is interesting though. I never yeah. heard that. You're only going to know that if you were in Marine. recruiting, if you were a Marine Corps yeah. recruiter as I used to be and had discussed that with uh, a couple of the officers there. Huh. So, interesting. But uh, you know, it's, um, it looks like there's, there's an Or- almost an Orwellian feel to it afterwards in the background yeah i i must say i was very excited though to see that they've cast layla robbins as governor pamela milton the governor of the commonwealth layla robbins is probably most recently known as best as uh colonel grace mallory from the boys oh right yeah and but i remember her first she was in a movie called an innocent man with tom Selleck back about 35 years ago or 30 years ago or something like that Okay. He's he's uh, wrongly convicted of of a crime, and then uh, his Layla Robbins plays his wife, and then she was on the blacklist for a, a couple of seasons as an as a bad person, <laughs> Russian spy. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, that's that's what she's a very um, very experienced television actor. Okay. Uh, been on The Handmaid's Tale and a number of other things. Number of other cool. countries. The last point I wanted to make here was uh, the the minor thing at the Commonwealth, the the meeting between Yamiko and her brother Tommy. And right. I, I think Ian Anthony Dale is a fantastic choice for any role. Um, you know, I've seen him in many things, and he's really good. Uh, most recently, Hawaii Five O, he was on that, and another show called The Event, mm-hmm. and then a bunch of different things. But he's very good. He's actually visually he's he's an excellent choice to play her brother, but that English accent of his was hideous. It yeah, was, it was so obvious it was it was not he's not British. Yeah, it was pretty bad. I I've really only heard one guy who was not British do a really decent British accent to where I thought he was British. And it was I forget the name of the character, but he was on Black Sails. The one about the pirates that was on stars. And uh, he was actually from New York. So he speaks with a very, you know, a very recognizable New York accent. And mm-hmm. he did a fantastic British accent. All the other wow. actors were British. I think there was one guy who was South African, but everybody else. The, the, and also the, the uh, actress that played um, Barry and Iris's daughter from the future was in this, was in that show. Oh, okay. Sales. So, but uh, I mean, Eleanor Metzer actually is is grew up in England, so her her British accent's genuine. But you know, 
Uh, he's from Minnesota. <laughs> wow. Yeah, she's, I forget where in England she grew up, but she's, I thought the interesting thing between the two of them is that they have something in common. In addition to both being Japanese, they're both half Japanese. They have huh. a parent that's, uh, in her case, her, um, her father's Japanese. And in the other case, uh, with Ian Anthony Dale, it's his mother. And what I was reading is she, Eleanor Matsura was born in Tokyo, but raised in England. And while Ian Anthony Dale was born and raised in, in, in St. Paul, Minnesota, wow. but his mother is from Kobe, Japan and came here when she was a teenager. So I thought that was very interesting. I didn't know that about the two yeah. of them, but I thought they, they make visually it's a, it's a fantastic matchup, but his linguistic, he normally plays American characters. So, but in this, this, uh, yeah, it was not, not a very good dialectic no, no. coach. Almost, no. I mean, to, to put it in perspective, Andrew Lincoln's American accent at the beginning of the series was far better <laughs> than Anthony Dale's British accent. So, and, and I also didn't, Eleanor Matsura doesn't speak any Japanese either. Oh, I don't really? know, he does. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Hmm. So, neither here nor there, just an interesting tidbit. Yeah. So, I don't recall the next on segment. That's how I was like, okay, it's over. It's uh, following up on that tip from the whisperer about Connie, I believe. Oh, right, right. Yeah, it's about Connie. Yeah, and she's with Virgil. Right, hey, right. We get to see Virgil again. Yeah. And I guess there's an attack by the, uh, no, I'm remembering. It's all flooding back here. It's all flooding back. <laughs> um that uh, there's an attack or something by the, the Reapers with Daryl. Mm. Mm-hmm. So uh, that doesn't sound like that's going to turn out well. No, definitely not. So, I don't know. But, uh, you know, I'm, I, I, it's interesting to me. We're already five episodes in. If, they, if the pattern holds, then they're going to take a break at eight, which I guess they would yeah. have to because they've got Fear the Walking Dead is supposed to start out in October. As is the second season of The Walking Dead Beyond. I've never seen any of those. Have you seen those? Me neither. I had assumed, I thought I heard Walking Dead Beyond was only one season. Yeah, originally like I read that event. too, but apparently there was a demand. They, they've, they've got a second season of it now. Wow. So that's I didn't the, hear that. That's the series about, it's years after the fall, and it's kids who were born after the apocalypse who have grown up as teenagers in a world they've never known the world before hmm. so i mean kind of like judith yeah. yeah that's i got to say that's the segment you notice i didn't mention anything of that because <laughs> it just was not not interesting to me at all Even that's why part, i didn't bring it up i liked the, it but I, I knew you wouldn't <laughs> well what did you tell what what did you like about it um i kind of appreciated that it shows that even when the adults aren't around and they're not necessarily in wartime like she's leading the kids in kind of like self-defense classes against the zombies and maybe even, uh, you know, attackers. Um, and she stood up for, you know, being safe and not destroying the walls of the community and not playing with zombies, you know, even though there were no, no adults there telling her to do so, she just kind of took charge. Um, and then by the end, that kind of breakdown moment, and it kind of reminded me of, um, I it actually I thought of it before I saw the after segment on the show, but it reminded me of very much of Rick having a similar conversation to Carl um, yeah. about you know losing everybody and 
they you know they pointed, having to grow up in this that's interesting because that's that was from the they did a similar comparison and showed a, a clip from that in season two when when uh rick sits down with carl right about that and they said it was that that they were playing that that was sort of the comparison between rosita talking to her about you know you don't need this memento because they're always going to be you know as they're alive as long as you can remember them yeah it's a little star trek 2 wisdom or star trek 3 wisdom <laughs> i think or maybe that's at the end of star trek 2 i don't remember gary i like star <laughs> trek so but i'm not that not much of it <laughs> so yeah i just you know it, obviously they're molding the um but Carl and Sophia rolls into Judith. Because, of course, it's reversed. Judith never made it that far in life in the book. And Carl and, and uh, I think Sophia are alive at the end of the comic book series. Hmm. I think. No, Paul, let a spoiler if you will, but I haven't read it either. <laughs> <laughs> I just have heard this in the ether. Hmm. So In the ether. In the ether. So anyway, I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, we've said before, uh, character building episodes can be slow. They can be a slog sometimes, but they're highly necessary to advance the plot and certainly to develop the characters. Which, I mean, if it moves too fast, you can leave character development behind, and then you're you you've got nothing of substance at the end, but a bunch of jumping around. True. So they, I think they they achieve a good balance of both. After season two, which was mostly seemed to be mostly character episodes, yeah. but yeah, I think they do. I think they do a good job. I would be interested one day to see how close it is to the the book, because I always thought Scott Gimple did a really good job of of adapting it close to the book, but but doing enough to make it its own thing on TV. So, and and Jeffrey Dean Morgan's performance as Negan is an example of that. You know, he's. He's a Negan all his own. He's made it his own character. He's put his own touches on it. And in many ways, he's a better, he's a more realistic and more plausible and more dangerous Negan than the one in the book. Yeah, definitely. So I, I really, uh, I think they've done a good job. And I'm, I'm actually, as we've mentioned, when we were getting kind of down on the show before, this is refreshing that they've, Angela Kang's really done a good job. And after I went back and finally watched the rest of season 10, I was like, well, this wasn't so bad. Yeah, I thought you know they wrapped it up in one season, which I'm glad, and mm -hmm. it had it had a lot of good, uh, a good resolutions to it. Even the country music singer angle, <laughs> <laughs> I agree, and I'm I'm really interested to see where they're going because um even though this was a bit of a slower one, I like where they're going so far. Yeah, well, it wouldn't be the first time they did this. True. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I don't have any more thoughts today. My mind has. Has devolved into the, to vapors. <laughs> so I'm pretty much right there with you. I, uh, oh, I have one last little note before we uh, go into our closing here. Right. <laughs> it's very simple, just a quick little thought. Um, when uh, they were showing Judith with some of the kids, I love. I just, I don't. I might have mentioned this before, but I really, my heart gets warm when I, I see the fact that Herschel is literally just Lil Gwen. 
Like he literally just has a little ball cap on. I know. He looks yeah, like yeah. a little, a little Asian. You know, he looks like Glenn. You know, he like, looks like Glenn's good. Yeah. They, they cast the kid perfectly too, because he actually kind of looks facially a little bit like Glenn. Yeah. Um. But yeah, just the baseball cap and just like just happy and cheerful and stuff. Like just, um, totally reminds me of young Glenn too. So that was that no, just absolutely. makes me happy to see it. Absolutely, you could almost see the little Herschel delivering pizza. Yeah, almost <laughs> on a scooter. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a grand theft auto vice city reference. So, I like uh, it. um, I did, I did think it was funny. You know how there was for years, there was speculation is Judith Shane's daughter or is it Rick's daughter or whose daughter is it? And, and then there was, I think at one comic con, uh, John Bernthal goes, I know for a fact it's Shane's daughter. We, you know, playing around with it. It's funny, I guess they've thrown them in the towel because the Wikipedia article for Judith says she's the daughter of Lori and Shane. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So apparently Jeffrey Dean Morgan is trying to rehabilitate Negan's character because, you know, he put up a picture on Instagram of, of <laughs> Andrew Lincoln giving him a kiss on the cheek with a big smile. And I'm like, yeah, that's not that's not going to help him with Maggie still. So I wish Lauren yeah. Cohen commented on it, something like, that would no. have been funny. That would have yeah. been funny. Now I, uh, I uh, enjoy. I don't. I've never really enjoyed following people on Twitter too much, mm-hmm. or certainly not Instagram. Other than than yourself, Gary, you yeah, don't really tweet. You. So you no, put up some often. good stuff on 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 Instagram. I think you put up something yeah. very nice today. I thought. Oh yeah. So, uh, but I I, re- I must say I'm really enjoying uh, following. Uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan and his wife, Hillary uh, Burton Morgan on there. I post. think I do follow them on Twitter, but I yeah. barely ever check Twitter. So I love that yeah. you occasionally send me some of the funnier bits they have because they have they, some good moments together. They really have a lot of fun together. You could tell they're like a perfect match. And then what's really nice is on Instagram it is primarily pictures of their farm and the stuff on their farm and their kids, Gus and George. So it's uh it's very nice. And they're you know, it's funny the comments that they make to each other. It's it's very playful and you know, so <laughs> if 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 anyone out there feels so inclined, uh I make my first recommendation, follow Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Hillary Burton Morgan, and I think you will enjoy the experience. Very cool. So all right, well that's our show this week. Thank you, Gary. Thank you. Glad to be here. Pleasure as always. Absolutely. So again, you can leave your comments and feedback by emailing us at twdpodcast@gmail.com or by posting a comment on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash walking dead podcast, where dignity is in fact the walking dead. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, and of course, there's never been a better time to be a nerd. Indeed. So stay safe, Flagstaff, Arizona. Hike. No story behind Flagstaff. I want to thank all of you for not being here today and not having this meeting with me or, or being seen on your way out. That's our show for today. Thanks for joining us. Please take a moment and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash walking dead podcast. If you like the show, let us know what you think. You can email comments and feedback to twdpodcast at gmail.com. 
You can also post comments on our Facebook page. The Walking Dead podcast can be heard at iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. If you're an Android user, you can also download a dedicated Android app at playerfm.com and the Google Store. Please help support The Walking Dead podcast by visiting our sponsor, audible.com, and signing up for your free, no-obligation trial membership at audibletrial.com forward slash dead. Many of our sound effects are provided courtesy of free SFX. Please check them out for all your sound effects needs at www.freesfx.co.uk. Once again, thank you for listening, and we'll see you back here for the next episode of The Walking Dead Podcast. Thank you.